Welcome to this week's episode of the YADC podcast. Currently, you're listening to the third and final episode of our Women in Leadership series, so make sure to listen to the first two if you haven't already. If you don't know who 1ADC is, we're the world's largest student-run consultancy for non-profits and social enterprises. This episode is brought to you by the 180 Degrees Consulting Branch from the University of Melbourne. And as per usual, always feel free to have a listen to our prologue for a better understanding of what this podcast aims to achieve, or visit our socials. There are timestamps below for easier browsing access, as well as the socials for this week's guests, so you can check out their profile whilst listening. Enough for me for now, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to our third instalment of the Women in Leadership series. I feel being the host is such an enjoyable experience because I get to sit down and collaborate with some of the greatest women in the industry and also celebrate Google's birthday, which should be the day this episode is dropping. And so I have the great honour of having on Amanda Snape, a country operations manager at Google Australia and New Zealand. It's a pleasure to spend some time with you this episode, Amanda. And of course, welcome to the 180DC podcast. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Yes, uh, it is an exciting time in Amanda's life right now, actually, and is where I kind of wanted to park in terms of area discussion for the first segment of this episode. So, Amanda, very open to you telling us a little bit about yourself and in conjunction with introduction, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in the last couple of months that actually makes it exciting? Thanks, Kevin. It has been an exciting couple of months, but but let me go back to the beginning and why we connected in the first place. Um, I, like many of your listeners, um, will be maybe thinking about started in management consulting straight out of uni. I started as a graduate at Deloitte. I learned so much there in in four years in Sydney. Um, I decided after that, as much as I loved it, like many Aussies, I got the call the calling to go over to London. So I took a secondment and moved over into digital strategy at the Monitor Deloitte practice in London. Um, I spent an amazing bit over three years there. Um, my now husband came and joined me. We did a load of travel, you know, a lot of, a lot of balance with some of the life goals I had, as well as discovering that I was just really passionate about, I, I still love strategy. I was really passionate about tech and media. Um, and so I did that for a few years there. I, I ended up as a senior manager there. I loved the work um, I did with the practice and the teams that I coached. And um, when it was time for us to move back to Sydney, I was ready to go back to Deloitte. Absolutely loved it. And uh, I think fate came calling because the, an old colleague of mine had moved to Google. And he said, there's this great role. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's working with a brilliant female managing director, Mel Silver, uh, who I work for now. Why don't you just give it, give it a go? Just, just meet her and do an interview. And um, the rest is history because a couple of years ago when we moved home, um, I moved over to Google, who happened to be a previous client of mine, um, into this country operations manager role. And for those who, who don't really know what that is, because I didn't, um, it's working with the managing director sort of as her strategy and operations business partner. So we think about what the most important things are for the business across Australia and New Zealand in the next you know, three months to two years. Like what are the big strategic challenges? And then we make sure that that work gets done. And sometimes it's me leading a team and, and other times it's pulling together people from right across the business, from marketing, from policy, from ad sales, from engineering, lots of different places. But it's about making sure that the right people are working together in a team to solve some of those big, big hairy problems. So 
that's what I did until May. Uh, my husband and I, our first child was born. So um, I am now a proud mum to little Eva, who's almost four months old. So yes, a very interesting last few months, Kevin. Yes, uh, very exciting stuff indeed. Uh, I just want to take a moment to congratulate you, Amanda, on the newborn and wish you all the best for that. And so just a little follow-up to that topic itself for those who are considering becoming parents one day. Can you describe the experience itself, taking a step away from a large leadership role and investing that time and energy for once, not into your career or your job, but rather investing that time into your family? Because I think when we spoke about the time, you know, consulting or strategy role last on the podcast, it is a really time-consuming role. And so that means you're away from home more than your family requires of you, which as I can see it, it would be it would be very hard when you're trying to raise a child. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely gotta be gotta be the right time and that's what it felt like for us. I think one of the important things is is knowing you're in the right place that's really supportive of that. And and for me, it's about being in a place where you look, you can't have both at the same time. There's no way I could um I can't um have a newborn and be working at the same time. But you know, I think you can have it all in the course of your career. And if you're in the right company that is really supportive, really appreciate how important that time is and also appreciate that you're a person and have a life to live and you have so much to add to that, even when you need to take time out, then you're at the right organisation. And I think the, the proof of that is, you know, probably the 12 months before Eva was born, including my whole pregnancy, um, I was on probably the most difficult project that I've been on there was a lot that was happening at Google in the last 12 months and Mel who's the managing director and I were both pregnant um oh, wow. and yeah so, so <laughs> you could say our babies know a, a little bit about <laughs> <our> strategy already <laughs> um, in utero um but yeah it's been it's been fantastic it was a really hard um 12 months but I knew I was in a place that was really good at helping me put in place boundaries, good at appreciating how important becoming a parent was to me. So, you know, when you're thinking about that, have a good think about who you can see around you that's really successful, that also is happy and has a family. And and I think that's been, it's been brilliant for me at Google. Mm-hmm. I think to me, I think it's a very well-deserved break. And it's great to see Google being super supportive of you taking maternity leave. And if there's anyone there to pilot your role for a bit. But I think that provides a great transition into, of course, your role at Google because it is a big one, like you mentioned, especially seeing it from a student perspective or an early career perspective. I remember getting this chance to briefly skim over your job description that you had under your title on LinkedIn. Uh, It was really related to the strategy formation for major regulatory sponsors in Google also for areas of country investment that Google would make, but also how Google can bring the best for its customers. On top of also what you mentioned in your intro. And so first things first, uh, what does all of that mean? And secondly, how does that relate to your role being the country operations manager? Absolutely. And I, I think it's funny, Kevin, when you say a big leadership role, I, I consider myself as someone who sort of sits back in, in the shadows and I like a support. And, um, and that's, that's just a personal thing, right? Like maybe, maybe one day I would, I would love to be a leader at the, the front and center. But what I really see myself as being good at is bringing this background I have in strategy and ops consulting, the frameworks, the structures, the ways of thinking, and working with our leadership team in Australia and New Zealand to come up with 
the right answers to really like use structure um, to draw out the incredible experience and knowledge that they all have. So I, I mean that that's very general, but yeah, I suppose that see myself as more in the background than the foreground. Um, I think what's really interesting about Google, and this is why I actually joined, it wasn't just uh, because the tech is a really interesting place to be at the moment, which it is um, because of the innovation and the growth. But I really thought tech was going to go through a hard, a hard adjustment. Um, regulators are really starting to look at tech and the ecosystem. They're asking questions about responsibility and how they should be regulated. And, you know, it's one thing to try and lead a company through hyper growth. But when the ecosystem is changing so quickly, that's when you get some of the most exciting strategic challenges to tackle. So that's why I joined. Um, and if you just think about uh, the way I think about it is if you're the legal leader of Google Australia and New Zealand, you have a number of priorities. One, it's think about how you act responsibly in the ecosystem. How do you work with regulators to come up with smart regulation is one thing that will be big on your agenda. At the same time, you're trying to grow the business. Um, at the same time, you're trying to reach into Google globally, find the coolest stuff possible that's happening, whether it be in engineering or research, and find a way to bring that stuff to Australia. So how can Aussie customers get the very best investment and get the very best products introduced here in Australia? So, you know, that's what I love about my role. It is so broad. Um, those are the types of things that, that the leaders at Google Australia are thinking about. And so it's my job to help them go, right, what do we need to do first? How are we going to do it? How are we going to work together to do it? Um, and that's just what makes it so varied and interesting. Mm. Yes, it's a great summary as well. And it's great that you put in some examples of what it is you do. But there's also a lot to digest for people who've never taken on the mantle of managing a lot of responsibilities. It, to me, really demonstrates a level which people share about the workforce that differentiates consultants from managers, where I think the workload as a manager is definitely a larger and a more considerable one. And so I think that's where I want to tap in a bit more and rewind to when you were in monitor Deloitte and it had reached that point in time where you got promoted from a senior consultant to a manager, like you mentioned. And so I noticed a few things about your transition. Uh, one of the smaller things was you went from advising clients on digital strategy to developing the digital strategy itself on a larger scale, but also two, which is a more outstanding one, you went from Sydney to the UK for your promotion. And so Amanda, can you share with us the phase of your career was like moving from Australia to the UK to become a manager at Deloitte and also how one may craft the steps that do lead to that promotion from a senior consultant to a manager? Yeah, it is a, it is a really big... It is a really big change and a big promotion. And I, I, it's not just um, that the title changes. I think if you take the responsibility seriously as a manager, you realise that the whole your whole team's experience on a project, how much they learn, how much value they get from that in their career, partially comes down to how well you can give them different opportunities to grow. The biggest difference that I found is from when you start to when you're a senior consultant, you're really trying to learn your craft and hone your craft. You're probably going to try a whole different um, 
range of projects that will teach you different technical skills. And there's a big focus on that for good reason. You know, it's a really safe space to learn. You've got someone teaching you. You've got the opportunity to try different industries, um, to try different skills from, you know, project management to modeling, to working out how to create an executive, you know, board presentation. All of these hard skills are things that you learn. And when I moved uh, as a senior consultant, uh, it was really important to have those strong technical skills. Um, and I had been given some opportunities here and there to manage small teams as a senior consultant as well. Um, when I landed in the UK, I landed on a project that wasn't going so well. And one of the reasons was we were trying to do something in sustainability that at that time, you know, quite a few years ago, there weren't that many clients that were doing big sustainability focused projects. And so it was quite complicated and the team wasn't going well and the manager wasn't going well. And so the partner was really, um, he's a really um, meritocracy focused individual. And he gave me the chance to have a go at trying to lead the team myself, lead my own work stream um, and lead the team on a certain part of the project. And I, I suppose it was like a, it was like an interview or a trial run. Um, and after that project, he said, look, um, I think you're showing the skills of a manager. And so I got promoted pretty quickly um, after that. And I think it came down to, you know, not just technical skill and knowing what I was doing, but it comes down to how well you can manage and look after a team and make sure they're learning and growing throughout the project. Uh, so a lot of luck involved, Kevin. Um, these things don't always turn out that way, but I think when you put in that hard work on your technical skill and you show you really care about how you manage a team, then that puts you in the best position to, to become someone who gets that responsibility in consulting. That's very interesting in itself. Uh, I really wanted to delve deeper into that because I know you mentioned the topic of secondments in your introduction as how it really eased the path for you to move from Australia to the UK. Can you talk a little bit more about how secondments work and why you decided to take on that secondment? Absolutely. It's quite a popular one. Uh, I found when I was interviewing new graduates, it was one of the reasons that many of them wanted to go to the the big four in particular, or, or other consulting firms. A secondment is basically where you get to go and become a part of a team in another country at your same firm for a period of time that's usually, um, it's at least one year. It can stretch out to two or, or be extended to three or four. And the benefit of a secondment is you basically keep your job in your home country um, it's there waiting for you when you get back. You keep accruing long service leave and things like that, but you get to go and have a free shot at a new life experience and learn something in another firm. On the why for us a comment, why I wanted to do it um, is because, as I said, I, I heard London calling. I wanted, frankly, I wanted to do some travel and I wanted to go and live in another city and see how challenging it would be to set up a, a new life and have new experiences and at the same time, I didn't, I, I really loved my job. I really loved strategy consulting. And so I wanted to continue doing that. And, and a secondment was a perfect way to do that. Any advice for someone thinking about it is to really think about why you want to go. Because there are certain locations and teams you can join that are great for travel or lifestyle. And there are certain places and teams you can join that are really about maybe turbocharging your career in a certain industry. So really think about, you know, why it is you want to go. And I think that really helped me make the choice to, to move to London. 
Well, first off, uh, thank you for touching on the topic of secondment. I feel it's an area students aren't too familiar with because part-time jobs during uni don't offer you this chance to do internal transfers or lateral transitions. So it's nice to have you unveil this concept in this episode. And so just a weird insert, Amanda, did you know about secondments before you joined Deloitte or how did you stumble upon the concept? I I didn't actually, Kevin. I, I knew roughly about the concept that Deloitte was a global firm. And so I thought, surely there are some global opportunities, but I came across it because I actually worked with some people, some managers who had seconded from the UK practice into our Sydney practice when I was a graduate. And they were senior consultants at the time as well, uh, and then managers. And I thought, fantastic, they were living the life. They lived in in the eastern beaches of Sydney. uh, And it looked like a fantastic thing to do early in your career. What I decided, and, and often when people ask me, I'll say, a good time to go is sometimes when you sort of have an idea of what you want to focus on in consulting, because when you know which types of projects you like, or at least which industries, it helps you identify a team in another country who you'll really enjoy working with. So that's what I, I realized is by the time I was a senior consultant, I knew I really liked tech, media, telco. I knew I liked strategy and that helped me find the digital strategy team in London. Mind you, Um, I know people that have moved earlier and later for a host of reasons. Sometimes it's for personal reasons or family reasons, but um, you really can choose different times to go. I I chose uh, senior consultant as a good time to go. And then I got lots of great advice about how you secure that that secondment. Wow. I I tend to use the word journey a lot to describe guests' experiences in the workforce and how their career pathways are crafted. I think in the moment right now, the word that popped into my head was the word voyage. And I think it's because a voyage is indicative of a long journey rather than just a journey itself to get to where you are right now, Amanda. You've made a decision to pursue law. You've navigated your way through this continent to the UK. And you're back in Australia, for which I consider is like the crazy point in that voyage since graduating uni, which is... Leads me to ask about the next point in your life where I think the biggest challenge and the biggest change happened. Your exit from Monitor Deloitte to come on board the Google train itself. And so I know this was an area I really wanted to discuss with you, talking about potential exit opportunities, because I think a lot of students think about the next step in their career, which tends to be a graduate program straight out of university into a consulting role, like how you did, Amanda. But I think it's rare to think two steps ahead and envision what may come after those experiences as a consultant, whether it be stepping into a manager role or even pushing it further and becoming a partner one day or even just switching industries. And so the decisions that led you to consider that tech was the next place you wanted to go whilst, of course, still operating in the domain of strategy. Why Google after your time at Deloitte? And what advice would you like to share for our consultants out there who are thinking about the next potential move, which may be tech, maybe even Google itself working in your team? That's a really, really interesting question, Kevin. I think it's what's interesting is when when you look back and you tell someone about the journey of your career, it can sound really linear and really planned. And I think that's hindsight. That's one of the beauties of hindsight is that it tells like this beautiful story. But underneath that, there's a whole lot of messiness. There's a whole lot of messiness and there's a whole lot of paths that you consider. 
that you then don't go down, you don't open that door. Um, and there's always a lot of doors to choose from. So the first thing I want to say is it's not linear and you're not going to know necessarily where you're going to end up. And that is totally okay. Um, I joined Strategy and Ops Consulting because I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go. And I thought, what better way for me to go and try lots of different industries, have a free shot at learning all of this stuff and let me decide what I want to do later. Uh, so that, that's the first thing. It's not, not linear. Um, when it came to moving to Google, I really loved consulting. And one of the reasons I loved it was I loved the work. Google was actually one of my clients. So I was already working in a space that I really enjoyed in terms of industry. I was a senior manager there, which meant I had lots of coaches and I really enjoyed coaching and seeing them learn and develop and take amazing other roles and go and leave to start startups. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I was planning to come back and rejoin Deloitte. I interviewed and I had to make a really hard call to, to choose between the two. So it was definitely not easy. Um, and you mentioned partner, definitely considered wanting to be a partner at Monitor Deloitte. Uh, I thought it was a great place where you could have an influence on lots of really talented people's careers and to go out and win really incredible work that they would enjoy doing that would deliver value to clients. I think it's a great career path. But when I was coming home, thought to myself, this is the right time to just consider what a change would look like and consider what my day-to-day -day would look like and whether it was time to get some experience in industry. So being really honest with you, Kevin, I didn't know whether I would love going into industry, but I knew if I wanted to go back and be a partner, I'd be a better partner if I had gone and worked in industry for a few years. So, you know, that's something that gave me the confidence to leave. I actually thought I might go back um, and that Google would be a great place to do a few years and then go and make myself a really valuable partner to the practice. Here's where, when, when you talk about consulting exit opportunities and my advice, I would say, you know, really think about the industry and the company that you're going to join and what their next five years looks like. So I mentioned before, I thought Google's next five years would be really interesting. I thought the ecosystem was changing and I thought the regulatory landscape was changing and I thought they are some wicked problems that I would love to help solve. So, you know, really think about that company, that industry, what, what are they about to go through? Is that just going to make you really excited to go to work every day? The other thing I would say as well is just acknowledge that sometimes industry, the trajectory works a bit differently to consulting. Consulting is quite linear in your progression. So you'll move from analyst to consultant to senior consultant to manager, you'll move up the ranks and you can sort of see what each next role has in store for you. Industry, and I think this goes not just for Google, but lots of other companies, your progression is a bit different. There are a lot more sideways moves. So you might uh, be in one function, maybe you'll join marketing and then you'll go and do a stint in operations. And that's really common. So just think about whether that's something you'll enjoy. And that's, that's something that I think I'll enjoy is, you know, my role at Google now, I won't have that same role forever. I'm really looking forward to moving sideways and trying out different things. So, you know, when you're thinking about exiting, think about those couple of things. Where are you going? 
what's it going to be like for you what does progression look like what's the next job after that next job that you might like and I think that's a good way of making sure you're moving to the right to the right place I love that so much. It's always these conversations I have about career trajectory in the consulting world that really leaves me envious about how people move up the ladder or even consider a lateral transition into industry. Like you mentioned as well, we see this constant layout of um, graduate analyst to consultant, to senior consultant, and manager, senior manager, director, partner, which I feel is like the general field of ladder itself in the consulting firm. May vary slightly there, but I've kind of taken a page out of the Lloyd's book for that one. But also... I remember having this chance to talk to you off camera about this, but you mentioned that if you got the chance to do consulting again or start out again, you would still start out in consulting. And so is there a particular reason behind that or is it just a gut feeling? Oh, I I definitely would. Not, not to mention that I've made some of my best friends from my grad group in, in consulting. One of them was my bridesmaid. Uh, so I'm going to put, put that to one side. You make some lifelong friends. That's not a lie. Um, I think the second part is I just, I, I've been at a lot of different clients. So I feel like I've seen a lot of different companies. I've seen a lot of different industries. And in my time working with clients, I never quite saw anywhere else that could compare in terms of the learning opportunities that you had. Um, it's so varied. And uh, from project to project, you can spend 10 weeks learning a skill, um, getting really good at it. And, you know, at other companies, what might happen is, you know, you then go and keep doing that thing and you get really great at doing that thing. And maybe, maybe six months later, you'll rotate. But in consulting, it can change from project to project, 10 weeks, four weeks, you're on to one thing and then the next. And so, you know, for me, I love learning. I love a steep learning curve. And so I think for that reason, it was a great start for me to have. And when I look now at at my role, part of what I have to do is to try and think of a problem from multiple different angles and to try and help leaders that come from really different backgrounds to come to consensus and work out, you know, either where we're going to invest or what action we're going to take. And when you're trying to ameliorate those perspectives across marketing, policy, legal, um, sales, engineering, what consulting I found helped me do is give me this amazing toolkit that I can use to almost speak different languages to those people and help come up with the right way to try and solve that problem. Um, and I think that's because consulting on every project, you are solving different problems. And so it gives you this amazing toolkit that you can then use for many years going forward. So yeah, I would absolutely take myself right back to, to where I started and do it all again. Those fresh starts, those great origin stories that I love hearing from people. But this episode is coming to an end too. I've really quite enjoyed our time. I've gotten to really deep dive into your background, Amanda. And so as per tradition, I'm going to end the podcast by asking Amanda a question that has nothing to do with her vault Google, rather grabs a personal take on a specific topic. And so I feel deep down we have that job or that role we've dreamt we wanted to be as a kid. If I use myself, for example, I wanted to be a talk show host. More specifically, I wanted to be an MC on Channel 7, which is so weird. Yeah, but also other people might want to be like a primary school teacher, perhaps, or even like a tennis player, where you can just go and do it without having to jump through hoops or live by the fee of abiding to societal expectations or perhaps because the role compensates too less. Like, 
in a world where social work would pay the same as management consulting, investment banking, a role in tech, and you didn't need university degrees to go do them. So if all of these factors that prevented everyone from doing their childhood dream job suddenly disappeared, and Amanda, your job all of a sudden became obsolete tomorrow, what career pathway would you go pursue? That is a great question, Kevin. Um, and look, I it, it's not a primary school teacher. <laughs> uh, I have too much respect for primary school teachers and I don't have the patience. So that's a great example. Um, that is a really tough one. And, and one of the reasons I find this tough to answer is because I haven't really given up on my, my I wouldn't call it a childhood dream, but maybe my adolescent dream. I one day would like to be an executive coach, a career coach. Uh, And now I've said it here, I'm going to have to do it because I've said it to you and on this podcast. Um, When I was younger and I was in high school, I was a water polo coach. Absolutely love the sport of water polo. And when I was in my late years of high school, I started coaching some of the junior teams. And there was just something I loved about being able to add something to someone um, to help them get better, to help them bring out the best in themselves and to see that improvement and see how much joy and fulfillment you could help bring to someone. And I think I never really lost sight of that. Um, when I started in consulting, I, uh, as an analyst, I started a reverse mentoring program where us as analysts and consultants mentored the partners in our practice. And we had fantastic partners who were really supportive about about this program. So, you know, we we helped them understand what their leadership style was like, what sort of leadership shadow they were creating. Um, And so, you know, I found myself in coaching and mentoring again. Um, When I went through consulting, I got the opportunity to be a career coach to other people. And so I want to do that for executives that are facing really tough business decisions yes maybe transformation of companies but really tough life problems and life decisions and trying to work out what they should do to make sure that they maximize their fulfillment and purpose in their life um now i've got a long way to go to make myself (laughs) the most qualified person to do that Um, but what really drives me is making an impact on on individual people Um, and in every role I try my best to leave a lasting mark on the people I work with and that's what really makes me feel fulfilled in my job so if I could do that tomorrow and be (laughs) great at it (laughs) I absolutely would Um, but I'm working on it and that's part of the reason why I've made some of the changes career changes I've made is I'm trying to build that skill set piece by piece um, so that one day in maybe 10 or 15 years um, when I'm trying to help someone through some really difficult decision making, I can be a great coach. As per usual, I'm left bewildered by how amazing your answers are. And I honestly believe that what you said is true. It doesn't have to be a make-believe world where we choose to chase our dream careers or our dream jobs. I think it's a bit cliche to say, but I think the only person stopping you from getting to where you want to go is yourself. But maybe we're talking about factors and COVID might be a big one right now. But I think whether it's be a teacher, a talk show host, or even a country operations manager at Google, 
I think if you put in the effort to learn the craft and build upon your experiences, you can get to where Amanda is in all due time. But I want to extend my gratitude and thank you, Amanda, for taking the time out of your day from your maternity leave to come onto the podcast and really just walk us through what a crazy life you've lived to get to where you are today. I myself and the team from 180 Degrees Consulting humbly wish you the best for the next couple of months of your life and we hope to hear on your network the experiences of motherhood and what lies next in mind for you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me.